Welcome to Elixir Mix, your Elixir podcast talking with members of the community. My name is Mark Erickson, and today I'm joined by our special guest, Fernando Hamasaki de Amorim. Hey, hello, Mark. Well, I'm glad you could come on, Fernando. And uh, just for you regular listeners, uh, we had some difficult issues with different with some of our other hosts today, so they weren't able to be with us. So today will just be like a nice quiet chat. So it'll be nice. But I'm glad you could come on uh, because one of the things that I'm passionate about is Elixir being adopted, you know, because it's, a, it's an awesome tool. I love the beam. I love what it gives me. And uh, being able to talk about and help other companies realize how they can benefit from it and how they can start to bring it into their organizations, that's an important thing for me. And that's something you can talk about and that you have personal experience with. Early in my career, I figured out which jobs were worth working at and which ones weren't, mostly by trial and error. I created a system that I used to find jobs and later contracts as a freelancer. If you're looking for a job or trying to figure out where you should go next, then check out my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. The book walks you through figuring out what you want, vetting companies that meet your criteria, meeting that company's employees, and getting them to recommend you for a job. Don't settle for whoever has listed their job on the job board. Go out and proactively find the job you'll love. Buy the book at devchat.tv slash job book. That's devchat.tv slash job book. So why don't you first just tell us uh, kind of where you work and what kind of problems you're solving. Okay, so uh, currently I work at Find Hotel. So Find Hotel is uh, basically the, the, the main uh, business is uh, meta search for hotels. So we make uh, uh, hotel reservations worldwide, integrated with many providers. It's like uh, uh, if you want to make a reservation, uh, instead of going to each provider, like, uh, okay, let's, let's talk about uh, uh, big suppliers, booking.com, Expedia, or hotels.com. Uh, you can go to find hotel and then you aggregate all those offers and uh, choose the best deals for you. Basically, we do that. So we need uh, we have a lot of traffic, a lot of uh, customers and uh, integrate with many providers. And uh, uh, one part of the, this ecosystem in find hotel is the checkout part. And uh, specific for the, the checkout of find hotel where the, the customer can make the, the reservation and the payments. Uh, we have uh, today uh, Elixir application running uh, uh, in our stack. Awesome. So let me just make sure uh, you, dear listener, caught all the good stuff there. So he works at a company called findhotel.com. It's awesome because it's, you know, if you've ever been that person, which I do, I am this guy, where I would go and say, like, I want to do some travel. And you, you start searching around for all these different sources. Uh, like, well, what if I stay at this hotel? What if I stay at this hotel? So it's an aggregator, right? So I imagine there's a lot of scraping of other services, either web pages or APIs to like kind of pull all this data together. And, and then, you know, being able to find that, uh, the best deal, which exactly. I... I appreciate that kind of a service. It saves me yeah, so much yeah. time. That, that, that's our goal. Our yeah. goal. Uh, uh, just on correction, the, the, uh, the website is findhotel.net. Oh, findhotel.net. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for that clarification. So yeah, you can check out a link to that in the show notes. Uh, but also, Fernando has written a blog article about what it was like for them adopting Elixir at this company, this organization. And that's kind of how it came to my attention. 
And so I'd love to hear, like, was this coming from an, an existing stack that you already had a service up and running? Maybe it was written in something else and then you're bringing Elixir into it? Or was this like a brand new uh, Elixir from the start kind of business? Okay, so uh, the, the Elixir application, the main Elixir application that you, you, you are running today on the, our stack is the, we call the bookconfine.l. It's a book and find out API, so that's the backend for the our checkout solution. And uh, uh, in fact, this application is a new application. This application starts uh, from scratch using Elixir, but there is a, a background. How do you achieve? Okay, how do you, uh, uh, we could uh, create this application uh, using Elixir? Because uh, Elixir was not in the stack of the company. So the company, when I joined the company almost four years ago, so the stack was basically Ruby and uh, Python and uh, uh, Node.js. And uh, uh, the company was growing and uh, hiring new people and uh, uh, the, the, the need for uh, uh, new applications, new products were, uh, were coming. And uh, uh, the stack of the company were, were, were changing with, with the time. Uh, for Elixir, so I, I, I was hired as a, a Ruby engineer uh, to take care of a, a Ruby application, in fact, a, a real application. And uh, uh, I worked with Ruby in Fidotel for, uh, I don't know, two or three years. And uh, uh, since I joined the company, I said, okay, I think it would be a good match to use Elixir in some application here for the future, for the long term. Uh, but the adoption was not uh, like, okay, uh, today uh, we are using Elixir. It's not like that. You know, that's not like that. So the first approach was, okay, uh, let's try to uh, uh, show something in Elixir to some uh, example of application. So we, in, in Finotel, we have a, a kind of internal hackathon we call ship today. So we have one day to deliver something that uh, we don't, you, you are free to deliver something that's related to the, 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 our company or our, uh, our products, but uh, uh, that, okay, uh, uh, is, 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 is not uh, defined uh, uh, by, by, by any uh, stakeholder. And then uh, I used the opportunity to create a tiny API in Elixir, a geolocation API that was a need for an internal application, just, okay, receive an IP and uh, return the information about the country city. Uh, it was two endpoints, a Phoenix application, a consumer binary database uh, with uh, uh, ETS uh, cache uh, layer in the middle. And then uh, I presented that, okay, uh, uh, fine, it was fun, and, uh, uh, but didn't go to production. After some while, uh, uh, this application was promoted to production. And uh, uh, okay, we, we kept our life using Ruby, using uh, 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 another technologies in, technologies in, in, in another applications, and then uh, uh, there were more two opportunities to try and play with Elixir. One more uh, uh, hackathon. So the guys did some uh, application for A/B test decision. 
was kind of experiment uh, uh, using Elixir. So that was interesting, interesting because the people that participate of this uh, application, this hackathon, were, were people that was not working or, or even uh, didn't write Elixir before. So that was a, 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 a good start. And then uh, we needed to, after some while, we needed to create a, a proved concept uh, application. So uh, it's like an application inside another application just to uh, aggregate some value. So in fact, to our existing Ruby application, that was a, a kind of uh, alerting uh, uh, application for the users, like, uh, okay, I wanted to receive uh, uh, this uh, news for this hotel or for this deal. And then I, I could uh, uh, add in my, my email and uh, uh, receive some information about the changes on the price, something like that. We did, went to production, was good. It was the, 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 the second application going to production, tiny one, uh, uh, but it was okay. Uh, the product of concept uh, for the product point of view was denied. It was okay, we don't want this, so. Uh, uh, throw away, but the experience with Elixir was valid. Uh, but at the time, uh, there was another application that was uh, uh, we didn't have yet. That was the the payment application in our site. Not the payment. Just to make clear, the checkout application. We, so the, we, the the checkout portion, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Where where the people, where the, the customers uh, uh, make the, the final step for the reservation, mm -hmm. and uh, because the, the the integration that we have with uh, many the, the the big suppliers, the final step is on the the supplier environment, not in the final time environment, mm -hmm. and then this checkout application, uh, some contents about the the the, the, the business. Uh, if you have the checkout in our site, we have the control of the most important uh, uh, step. That's the uh, to to finish the reservation. So uh, uh, we could uh, have the control of this 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 final step. And then the, uh, first it was made uh, by another company uh, approved concept of this checkout using Node.js. That was not so good, not because of Node, but uh, the way that it was made it was kind of uh, coupled with the, the, the provider that was integrated. And then uh, uh, appeared this opportunity to, to create this checkout application. And then I tried to convince people, okay, this is a good opportunity to, to use Elixir. We, have, we, we need a, an API. And this API, we did, uh, okay, support a lot of traffic. And we needed to integrate with many providers, different APIs, and they received this information from uh, different suppliers and do data transformation on this, date, on this uh, uh, response, and then uh, uh, make a generic interface to be used by, by our applications. And uh, uh, Elixir was a good choice, of course, in that moment, the, the, the stack was uh, in the in the final tell in the company. Uh, we are using Go and Python and uh, uh, not more Ruby, 
So Ruby was retired. Uh, but the Ruby developers were not retired. The Ruby developers uh, 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 were there in the company, including me. And then, okay, my, 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 uh, one of my motivation and uh, 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 I said, okay, you can use this expertise of Ruby developers, transition to, to Elixir. Elixir brings uh, the, the things that we miss in Ruby, like concurrence and uh, uh, performance better than, 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 than Ruby. And you keep the, uh, the friendly syntax, the productivity, the ecosystem is like what Ruby and Rails made in many years to create the ecosystem. Uh, uh, package manager, the rake tasks, and uh, uh, the approach of TDD, and uh, uh, a lot of those were bring uh, uh, to the beginning of the, the creation of Elixir. That was was really good. And uh, and uh, okay, uh, uh, of course, uh, uh, Jose Valin learned it with the the the. The errors that uh, okay uh, uh, happen in the the, the Ruby uh, uh, community, like not the errors, but okay, uh, they had a lot of experience with the, the ecosystem, and then okay, bring it to 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 Elixir, and we, they got the good parts, let's say, from the the the, the, the ecosystem, and then uh, uh, of course uh, join with the the, the performance of Erlang and. Uh, all the tools that Erlang bring to us, and then was my 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 not my guess, my 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 choice. Uh, I I tried to so I had the opportunity to uh, create a new team, a new squad, to uh, take care of this new application. It was the API that the backend server service for the 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 checkout that's a front end application, single page application that consumes the API. And uh, uh, we start from scratch, and uh, uh, the flexibility of to create uh, to integrate with many providers, and uh, the tools. For example, uh, we start uh, from the beginning uh, with an umbrella application. That was a good choice. We still have an umbrella application today with different components. Uh, we stuck some libraries to outside the umbrella in some uh, applications, but it was a good choice. And the, uh, and the idea was, okay, if you needed to integrate a new provider that you are doing now, integrating many providers, we just needed to plug the new, a new component in the stack, uh, uh, in, the, in the, the architecture of our application, and uh, everything uh, uh, is okay. You can work isolated uh, uh, in, in different components. And uh, have been working. Uh, we are live uh, with this application more than one year and uh, uh, make a lot of bookings. So that's good. Nice. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood. And over the last few years, I've gotten to know a lot of great people within the Microsoft community and specifically in the .NET area. Uh, one of our guests from JavaScript Jabber, Sean Clavo, actually reached out to me and said he wanted to start a show on .NET. And there are a ton of people out there that I feel like sometimes get neglected in the .NET space. So if you're one of those folks, uh, you've been listening to maybe one or two of the other .NET focused or Microsoft focused podcasts for a while and thought, well, where's the devchat.tv style podcast for me in .NET? 
you can find it. It's at adventuresin.net.net is spelled out D-O-T-N-E-T. Adventuresin.net.com. Go check it out today. So I'd love to recap a little bit of that and just kind of maybe ask some questions to clarify some things, make sure I got it right. Uh, but so it sounds like uh, you guys had an interesting experience where you, you, know, you had a, a different uh, collection of languages. You had Ruby, Python, Node.js. Sounds like later you've added some Go. And uh, I, so what I loved is the strategy of using a hackathon as an, a, a place where we can explore with new technologies. Uh, so I, I've worked on in companies where we've had hackathons as well. Uh, so I think you, dear listener, when you're thinking, oh, okay, um, I'd, like to sh- I'd like to play with Elixir. If your company has a hackathon or you, you can promote the idea of one, then you know, that's a great opportunity to say, let's experiment with uh, how I can do something around this business, around these set of features with this other tool that I think may solve some problems for us. So it sounds like that was a great opportunity to do that. And uh, so then it sounds like over time, you had multiple applications that you were created in Elixir, but not all of them were deployed, not all of them were used, and that was okay. And I love the checkout application being a central point, right? Like that is the culmination of all the features that are coming together. It's like the checkout is critical, and Elixir is a great fit for that because it, you, you know, you've made that point of needing to handle all the concurrency, all the simultaneous API requests, a lot of traffic, everything coming to this one point and you're wanting to integrate to all these different providers. And another thing that you said that I really liked is this idea of uh, how you felt umbrella applications were a good fit for this. And uh, it sounds like you're using umbrellas the same way I like to use them. And I, I know a lot of people approach them differently and that's fine. Uh, but the way I liked it, what, what sounded like it, we kind of talk the same language here is uh, like I might have my main application in an umbrella and then a lot of the other apps are really supporting apps. So like I might have an app that says, I know how to talk to service X. And this other app says, I know how to talk to and scrape and you know, maybe uh, push uh, reservations into provider Y. And so my application doesn't have to know about all these different things. I can abstract that away and just, uh, I, I, like what you said is I can add a new provider, right? And, and say, okay, well now it's time for us to support this. And, and so, instead of having to try and figure out all the places in my big monolithic application where I need to hook in to say, route it over here. Now, under this, now, you know, now I have like all these 12 different things that might be needing to happen. You know, it's just, it's kind of, it's a better way of separating it out. So did I get that right? That that's kind of how you're using umbrellas? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly that way. It's like uh, uh, like I said, uh, uh, if you need to, okay, you are doing now uh, the integration of your new provider. The 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 engineers that you are working in this this integration, I work in a specific library, so this library can be used. And of course, you have a configuration to enable or not enable this integration, but uh, they are working. Uh, in a, in a library isolated, of course, you have this uh, contract with the, the, the main application. Uh, since the library uh, for the provider uh, implemented this contract, what you expect, basically the contract is uh, uh, some behaviors in Elixir that uh, should be implemented and expect some, some uh, uh, response. Since the, this contract is implemented, we have a new provider. So. You can work in many providers uh, in parallel if you, if you want. That's really good. Right. Yeah. 
And so I'd love to hear, you said that now it's been out in production for a year. Uh, I'd love to hear your experience uh, in bringing your team and introducing like how the adoption went with the team in Elixir. You know, they're coming from some of them, sounds like the team that you'd put together is primarily Ruby developers. Uh, but I imagine there's other people who've now been experimenting or kind of touching the edges and, and, and seeing Elixir code. Like what, a, what kind of uh, feedback do people give like that? Oh, I really like this feature about Elixir or, you know, like uh, what, what, what things have you seen there? Okay. Uh, uh, I, I would say both. More, of, of course, for the, the good part, for the, 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 the good side. Uh, the, the, the squad started with uh, uh, me, uh, uh, another, another engineer. So two uh, experienced the Ruby developers. And of course, uh, uh, the, first, uh, the, the first code was like uh, uh, writing Ruby in Elixir. And then, uh, okay, we said, okay, let's stop. Let's think about uh, how the Elixir way, let's say, how Elixir works. And then uh, uh, we, we did a good job doing the, the design, the architecture, and uh, started thinking how, how uh, uh, should it be in Elixir. Uh, one so, uh, uh, answer your question. The, the, the team was quite motivated because it's like it was uh, okay. I work. I was working with Ruby for many years, and uh, uh, I know the limitation. Ruby is, is great. The, the the syntax is great. Meta programming is great. Uh, uh, the things that I can do with Ruby using Rails for for web applications is nice. But we knew the limitations. If I needed to do some, uh, for example, it. Something simple, HTTP uh, parallel requests. Uh, it's not supported by, 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 by Ruby. I, I, I needed to use another library to do that. Or uh, the, the, the most typical scenario, okay, let's uh, create a, a, a queue and uh, uh, integrate, uh, send this uh, to another job and uh, wait for the response. And then the, the uh, uh, the team was motivated because of that, and uh, uh, if you know things in Elixir, like uh, for example, during, uh, uh, using the immutability in Elixir, we don't uh, uh, we don't need to to think more about uh, uh, objects reference. We don't have more that. It's like okay, call a function and receive the response and use it. That's it. It's simple. Uh, uh, in the beginning, of course, the transition from uh, uh, oriented pro uh, uh, programming uh, uh, paradigm to functional programming was uh, was not painful. Was okay the transition, but uh, from the moment that uh, in our mindset changed, okay, let's use it that way, and then it's like uh, opening our eyes. It's like, oh man, <laughs> this is really cool. And uh, and uh, Antonio Antonio Loroso that uh, uh, worked with me that started the, the squad, a guy so with more than ten years of experience uh, uh, in software development, the guy said it to me, "Oh man, it's like uh, it's I I feel like my children playing with new toys. It's so fun." 
I can't, I can't, I can't, I don't want to, 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 uh, uh, to get holidays. I, I, I get, I, I want to, to, to keep it working because I want to finish this as soon as possible because it's so cool. It's so uh, 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 exciting. Mm -hmm. That was the, 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 the reaction. So Yeah, I, I love that how you described, you know, it is difficult coming from that object-oriented perspective where you're thinking about objects and references and passing in objects with, which, you know, uh, have links to other objects. And that's how you kind of model your mental process of how my application works. And then making that shift into more pure functions where it's uh, just kind of, you're, it, it can be a, a big shift. But I loved how you said, like, once you kind of make that shift and it's like, ah, it just opens up and you just realize, oh, there's another way to do things. And oh, when I do it this way, I don't have some of these other problems I've struggled with before. You know, like I know that's been the case for me where you're trying to debug uh, the state of something. Like, how did it get into this state? You know, and it's some function, some method gets called somewhere and it just changes my object, which was passed in by reference. And I don't, I don't know how I got this way. And it's really hard to diagnose. And so Elixir, it's much easier to avoid those problems. You know, we can still create those problems. Uh, you know, you can still do, you can still do crazy things with state, uh, but it's easier to do that. So I love that. And like, uh, like that's one of the things I love teaching and talking about. I have a thinkingelixir.com website where I try to help people get over that hurdle, that mental bridge of how do I start thinking this different way? So, and I love, you know, it is like, it is like I've got a new toy. It's like, oh, this is so much. I just want to keep playing with it. I just want to keep going. So yeah, I love that story. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the, uh, another thing that was this click as well was the, the use of pattern matching. Uh, we do a lot of transformations. We, of course, we have our way to do because when we receive the response, HTTP response from the, uh, an API, we have a JSON, like XML, and then, uh, uh, okay, for example, JSON, we can transform in a, in a map in Elixir and, and use, but uh, normally what you do is uh, we have uh, a strict contract. So for the response from the, the a specific AI, we create a structure that is the, the, the representation of the, the structure, the response of the API. And then we transform this JSON in a structure. And from this structure, we can use, uh, we can apply in our, our business logic. Uh, we don't like to use open maps because uh, uh, we don't have validation. We don't have, uh, 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 it's like, could it be any field, any structure? So we like to have the uh, uh, strict structure. And then to do transformations, so just transformations from the API, and then we need to transform this to uh, our generic interface that uh, uh, is supported by, should be supported by all the providers that the, the, our uh, single page application checkout is consuming, that we abstract all the, the data structure from the providers. And this layer of data transformation using partner met, oh man, it's really so easy to do. It's really easy to do. From the moment that uh, we started using pattern and matching data transformation, said, okay. And then we joined this with some uh, meta programming in, in, in Elixir, 
like uh, okay generate some uh, methods that has different pattern and matches in the function signature uh, according to the the some types and uh, uh, I, I I talk uh, another day with Antonio uh, uh, and other guys in, in in my team imagine that do, doing that in I don't know in Ruby in JavaScript in Node.js you'll be painful but uh, uh, we have the control here and uh, it's easy to do that. So that was uh, uh, one thing uh, really, really, that, okay, it was fun and productive. That uh, uh, was good. Right, fun and productive. Yeah, so like, uh, I just want to recap a little bit there because that was great. Uh, just the idea of pattern matching, because it makes sense, like you're dealing with a lot of external providers. You have a lot of APIs you're hitting, you need to, kind of validate the data that's coming in, normalize it, transform it, and pattern matching is an awesome way to do that. I totally love that because it's, it's so true, right? I've, I've been in that situation where you're dealing with a lot of external things and it's like pattern matching. It's like you've got that whole data structure that comes back and something very deep down in like this JSON blob tells you something really important. And that's the one thing you want way down inside there, but you have to check all the levels of the keys to know if it's there. And a pattern matching is like a single statement. So yes, I love it. And then, you know, I love the tip that you made of transforming it into structs where it's uh, more structured data, where you can pass it around, where the keys are more defined and, and as, in, as opposed to just using like bare maps. One of the biggest pain points that I find as I talk to people about software is deployment. It's really interesting to have the conversations with people where it's, I don't want to deal with Docker. I don't want to deal with Kubernetes. I don't want to deal with setting up servers. I don't, you know, all of these different things. And in a lot of ways, DevOps has gotten a lot easier. And in a lot of ways, DevOps has also kind of embraced a certain amount of culture around applications, the way we build them, the way we deploy them. And I've really felt for a long time that developers need to have the conversations with DevOps or adopt some form of DevOps so that they can take control of what they're doing and really understand when things go to production, what's going on so that they can help debug the issues and fix the issues and find the issues when they go wrong and help streamline things and make things better and slicker and easier so that they'll more generally go right. So we started a podcast called Adventures in DevOps. And I pulled in one of the hosts from one of my favorite DevOps shows, Nell Shamrell Harrington from the Food Fight Show. And we got things rolling there. And so this is more or less a continuation of the Food Fight Show, where we're talking about the things that go into DevOps. So if you're struggling with any of these operational type things, then definitely check out Adventures in DevOps. And you can find it at adventuresindevopspodcast.com. Um, so yeah, I think those are awesome tips. Are there any other great tips or things that you could share? Like if someone else is in this situation where they would like to start bringing Elixir or they're in the process of bringing Elixir into their company, any other tips that you could maybe share for, with them that how they could uh, make that transition? Or I, I think hackathons is a great one. Are there any other thoughts you had? Okay, my, my, of course, from my, my experience, my, my suggestion is do not try to solve big problems at the first attempt. So it's like, okay, let's uh, rewrite this entire application because Elixir is cool. No, it's not the... the my opinion, of course, is not the way. Uh, try to, if it's possible, to make something small that uh, could be 
part of your system or uh, that works together with your system. Of course, if you have the opportunity to create application from scratch, like we did, but before we did the application from scratch, we had some experience using and proving that, okay, this could work. Uh, that's my, 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 my suggestion. And besides that, uh, try to find uh, the business value of what you want to, to introduce. If you, uh, it's not, a, it's like a, uh, elixir school, okay, elixir school for many reasons, but uh, that's not the, the reason to, to use elixir. If it's not as productive, it's not a, a good performance, it's if your team is not happy with that, if your team is happy to, uh, uh, to change for something new, that's a, 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 it helps. And then, uh, uh, but try to, to, to aggregate business value. It's not like, uh, okay, it's not like, like those technology, it doesn't matter if it doesn't work for the business. So we need to make money at the end. So, it, uh, okay, let's try to make money if we uh, have fun at the same time. Awesome. Well, thank you, Fernando, for coming and visiting with us. Is there anything else you want to mention before we transition to picks? Uh, okay. I, I didn't mention the, the not good parts, in fact. So I think, I don't know. From my reading, I, I heard most of the uh, people uh, new in Elixir, uh, most of the experienced one, uh, struggle with configuration. We had some problems with configuration. Uh, I think mainly because uh, lack of experience how the configuration should be in, in Elixir or, or the best practice. We, we struggle with, okay, using uh, configuration from the config files and the environment variables and uh, uh, pass this configuration to uh, initializing supervisors or not, what's the best approach, uh, the configuration that change at the runtime, the configuration that does not change at the runtime, how to, to deal with that. Uh, there is no uh, uh, a final in the uh, uh, silver bullet solution. It's a situation is different one. We still have some, uh, not problems, but uh, uh, something that it could be better in our application regarding configuration. So this is a, I think that uh, it's not so, so easy to understand for the, the, the first attempt. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, one thing I can mention about that. Are there any particular resources that you would recommend? Because yeah, configuration has been getting better, like uh, especially with the, some of the newer Elixir releases. Uh, but it can be a struggle. Like you mentioned, like how do I manage pulling from the environment, pulling what what I start up with at the at application start time, what's compiled into my application, what's pulled in dynamically, what changes at runtime, you know, what uh, config do it needs to be set up for the supervisor. That's one of the things I love about Elixir is it's, you have to switch the mental kind of where you start from to think, how do I set this up in a controlled way, like a supervisor, like a supervision tree? How do I set this up in a controlled way so when it blows up, it will rebuild itself in the right way, as opposed to thinking from the other end, which is how do I stop something from crashing? You know, like how do I catch the errors? How do I make it recover? How do I deal with an error state and like, you know, have to try and work myself backward. 
So with Elixir, it's like, we know things are going to happen. Things are going to go wrong. How do I adjust? How do I get back to a good state? How do I configure that to get back to a good state? So I was wondering, do you have any tips, any books, uh, anything that was influential for you and helping you kind of figure out how to manage configuration? Uh, Regarding books, uh, uh, Elixir in Action from Sasa Jurek. Yeah, Elixir in Action, Sasha Yurik. I love that book. That was was the book that really helped me get it with Elixir. So thumbs up for that one. Yeah. Uh, I know that uh, that, uh, he has a library to validate configurations. We didn't use yet. We plan to to try out. I don't remember the name now because it's a name not uh, so easy to to, to spell. but one tip, maybe, uh, uh, if if it, if it fits to for the the the, the, the another application is uh, to not uh, uh, start the application if you are not good state. We had a problem on, on production because you are reading the configuration. Okay, the configuration was was nice, was okay to, to read the configuration, but some while was not valid. And uh, uh, I don't remember now. It was uh, uh, expect some string, and uh, it was not. It was, it was not this uh, uh, required or not. It's something uh, not good in the in the value that you needed to use in some uh, uh, layer of our application. And then uh, we deployed the application, and we didn't know that it was happened, that it was wrong. And only in the, the the book, the final book step that you got the error. So many users, until you fix the configuration, uh, could not uh, make a reservation. Was not, yeah, was was, and uh, uh, what we did was okay. All the validation that uh, sorry, all the configuration that you have, we validate at the application startup. If the, the state of the configuration is not valid, you cannot start the application. Uh, with that, we cannot make a deploy using a wrong configuration. So uh, uh, we, we, that was uh, uh, our way. Maybe there, there are better ways to, to solve that, but that was our way to avoid the situation to have uh, uh, not valid uh, uh, configuration that can uh, uh, have side effects uh, at the same time. Right. That's a good tip. I like that. You know, one of those things that I caught from there was uh, when you detect a bad value at application startup, just crash as opposed to trying to figure out what's wrong way down the line. <laughs> so, like, you, you know, crash early, right? And when there's something's bad and, and should be fixed. Yeah, that's it. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on, Fernando. Uh, if people would like to get in touch with you, uh, follow you online or anything like that, where should they go to do that? So, uh, if you find it for Prodis, that's my nickname. You can find me uh, on Twitter, GitHub, LinkedIn. I think most of the uh, 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 social medias or or uh, uh, internet tools you can find by by, by prod. So, uh, yeah. Nice. All right. Well, let's go to picks. I'm going to share one today. 
this one came, my brother recommended this one for me and I thought it was pretty cool. It's, it's called qifi.org. I'm not really sure how you'd pronounce it, but it is a pure JavaScript Wi-Fi QR code generator. And the idea is you can use this to generate uh, QR codes for your Wi-Fi in, in your, like your, your SSID and credentials that are in your house. So when a guest comes over, they can just use their phone to scan the QR code and be able to join your Wi-Fi. And I thought that was really cool also because it, it runs entirely locally. So you're not putting your credentials into some other remote service, right? Where they now know the, the credentials for your Wi-Fi. So it's all local only and just JavaScript. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's something you can check out. And that's it for me. Fernando, do you have one? Yes, uh, I have. In fact, it's a, it's a, it's a presentation. In fact, uh, from the past, I would say, it's from uh, Elixir Conf Europe 2016. The presentation, Phoenix is not your application from uh, Laura Lancy Halverson. Oh, sorry, Lance. Lance Halverson, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh, this presentation is before uh, the version of Phoenix with the contents. And that time I was, I was learning about Elixir and my, my, my doubt was about, okay, where should I put my uh, business uh, models? Uh, in a Phoenix application. And uh, I realized that it was thinking wrong because Phoenix is not my application. Phoenix is just my interface. So I should forget about Phoenix, so forget about the interface. Put your business logic, uh, could be in, in a leap or in, 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 in the current Phoenix applications uh, uh, in the context but uh, uh, it's not in the web parts, not the infrastructure HTTP part. So forget about it. In this, uh, uh, this presentation opened my eyes and then uh, uh, was really good because it's like, okay, uh, you're doing something wrong. Don't do that. Don't, don't do the same way you did when the, uh, we started Ruby and Rails. Rails is not your application. <laughs> Something like that. No, that's awesome. I love that because it's true when you start to think about how the web framework is not your application because it's like, well, it might have a REST interface. I might take data that comes in through RabbitMQ or something else. I might have a GraphQL interface. That's just the interface. Like your application is deeper and that's the thing that actually has all the business logic. So yeah, I love that. It's a great talk. Check the show notes for that. Thank you, Fernando, for coming on and sharing with us the success you've had at findhotel.net and with adopting Elixir. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening. And we hope you'll join us next time on Elixir Mix. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.